Welcome back for the last time to the John Summer Challenge. It's day 31 of the John Summer Challenge, and we're in John chapter 20, verse 11, all the way to the end, John chapter 21, verse 25. And as we finish the entire Gospel of John, we have read of his life, his ministry, his death, and his glorious resurrection. And now we behold the risen Christ and are given two final challenges. Are you ready? Point number one, believe the risen Christ. Believe the risen Christ in chapter 20, verse 11, all the way to the end, uh, verse 31. It is impossible to follow Jesus, to claim to be a genuine believer of Christ without affirming and trusting in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His resurrection is a necessary component to the gospel message that we must put our faith in. And in our passage today, we see the most convincing proof that Jesus indeed rose from the dead, his post-resurrection appearances. In this section, John chooses three of these post-resurrection appearances that give us a better insight into the person of Jesus Christ. Remember, John's goal is always to display the glory of God, and he continues to do so by choosing these three appearances. And the very first person that Christ appears to was surprising. It wasn't to some religious leaders. It wasn't to somebody with high prestige or with lots of money or somebody really important in society or in the religious circles. It was to an unsuspecting, non-important woman, Mary Magdalene. This just shows the incredible love of Christ for all believers, no matter how insignificant they may seem, Jesus loves them. Jesus did something similar in John 4, didn't he? He first declared that he was the Messiah, the first declaration that he was the true Messiah to who? The Samaritan woman at the well, the lowest of the low in that society. Everybody looked down on her, but Jesus did not look down on her. He loves his own. And this is who he chooses to reveal himself to. And so we see the same thing with Mary Magdalene. Mary is a mess, still weeping over the Lord's body being stolen by grave robbers. But his body wasn't stolen, was it? He was standing right in front of her. She mistakes Jesus for a gardener until Jesus says this one word in verse 16. Mary. He shouts, Mary. And instantly, she knew that it was her Lord. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And we know this, right? John 10, verse 27 through 28 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Mary heard the voice of her shepherd, and her eyes were opened. She recognized his voice and clung to her Savior. Jesus says, Stop clinging to me, Mary, and go tell my brethren that I am alive. Which, by the way, this is the first time where Jesus calls believers his brethren. They are heirs with Christ. That is what Christ accomplished on the cross. We are his brethren. And Mary, of course, immediately obeys Christ, runs to the disciples where they're hiding in fear, and tells them, I have seen the Lord. And how, how do they respond? Positively? Not so much. Look at Luke 24, verse 10 through 11 says, 
Now they were now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles, but these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. So what happens next? What does it take to convince these disciples that Jesus is in fact alive? Jesus appears to them himself, hiding in a locked room because they feared what the Jews might do to them. Jesus suddenly appears and says this to them, Peace be with you. He shows the disciples his pierced hands, his side, and says again in verse 21, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. In the midst of their great fear, as they are scared to death, thinking that the Jews are going to come after them now, after they have just killed their master, Jesus doesn't come to them with condemnation for their fear. He doesn't slam the door and say, come on, where's your courage? Show me your faith. Instead, the gracious Jesus arrives in the midst of great fear and says, peace be with you. Immediately, all of their doubts and fears are relieved as they behold their risen Savior with holes in his hands, his feet, and his side. And Revelation tells us that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of his Father right now with these same scars. And with their fears relieved, they are excited to accept Jesus' commission for them to be sent out into the world, to make disciples of all nations, and it is our same commission as well as believers. But they would need supernatural power to begin this mission as they will spend the rest of their lives now in persecution as people will go after them because they preach a risen Christ. And what is that power that they need? Verse 22, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit that will guide those disciples and you and I today, our only source of strength in the midst of this fallen and hostile world. Jesus appears to his disciples, his brethren, and he provides peace, a commission, and power that will get them through. But there is one disciple not currently present. The last person that Jesus appears to in John's account is Thomas. Thomas. We first read about Thomas in John chapter 11 when Jesus decided to return to Jerusalem where they were just trying to kill him in order to raise Lazarus from the dead, right? Knowing the danger of this journey, Thomas said in verse 16 of John 11, Let us also go so that we may die with him. Make no mistake, while Thomas was hopeless in this situation, he's known as Doubting Thomas, isn't he? His love for Jesus was undeniable, and he would have preferred to lay down his life for Christ rather than to be separated from him. For whatever reason, Thomas is not there when Jesus reveals himself to the disciples for the first time. And so when he finally returned, the disciples immediately told Thomas that they have seen the Lord. They're excited. They tell Thomas this. But Thomas being somewhat of a pessimist, he says, what? Thomas is uncertain that he, he, he thought he would never see the Lord again. And he was grieving over the death of Jesus. 
And being in this mood, he didn't want to get his hopes up only for them to be crushed again. And so he says this in verse 25, Unless I see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Well, eight days later, our gracious and compassionate Lord gives Thomas exactly what he demanded, knowing that Thomas was at a point of weakness and doubt. Verse 26, After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. And to those who were not witnesses of the resurrected Lord, what will cause us to believe in his resurrection? We finally arrive at John's summary verses, the purpose of this gospel, the verses you all know, John 20, verses 30 through 31. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. We don't need an appearance of Christ in order to believe in him. We have his word. We have this account, John's Gospel. What must you do as we end this challenge, as we finish this book, as you have just read the entire life and ministry of Jesus? You must believe in Him. Believe in Jesus' life, His death, and His glorious resurrection. Put your faith and your trust in Him. Surrender your life to Christ. Turn away from your sin and turn towards Christ, and you will find life in Him. My greatest prayer is that after studying this book together this summer, that you would finally believe in Christ for salvation. Would you do that? Would you believe in Him today? Two more quick points, or one more quick point actually. Number two, love the risen Christ. Love the risen Christ. In verse uh, 1 through 25 of chapter 21, a question left unanswered until now is, and you're probably thinking, what happened to Peter. What happened to Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times? Jesus restored doubting Thomas, but how will he restore Peter? And we read about it in this section. Jesus had already commissioned his disciples to become fishers of men, to go out and make more disciples of Christ. But Peter is obviously struggling here. He is still so discouraged by what he had done. His discouragement became too overwhelming for him. As he decides in verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. You know what's happening here? Peter is deciding to go back to his old life as a fisherman, to abandon his call to ministry. He, he's feeling so discouraged by what he had done. He denied Jesus. And now here he is, the risen Lord. And it is in this moment, in Peter's great discouragement, that our compassionate Lord meets Peter again 
and ask him a question that every single one of us must be asked as well. Look at verse 15 of chapter 21. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than what? More than your old way of life, your success, your career, more than anything else. Do you love me more than anything else? And the word that Jesus uses for love in the original Greek, this, this letter was written in Greek, the word is agape. Do you agape love me? Agape is the highest form of love, the purest and deepest form of love that there is. Jesus says, do you love me to the highest degree? Do you agape me? Peter responds. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But Peter switches the word for love here. He doesn't use the word agape like Jesus used. Instead, he uses the word phileo. This is the Greek word for brotherly love, for friendly love. This is what I would use for, you know, my bros. Bro, I phileo you. I love you, bro. Peter bumps the language down a notch. A love that isn't as high as agape because he is still discouraged and he doesn't want to sound like a hypocrite to Jesus after he had just denied him three times. Jesus responds. He said to him, tend my lambs. And then verse 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. Again, do you agape love me? Peter says, I phileo love you, brotherly love. I don't love you to the highest. I can't say that I love you to the highest degree. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, Son of John, do you even phileo love me? Jesus changes his wording to match Peter's. He says, do you even really like me, Peter? And Peter, full of discouragement, responds. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You're omniscient, Lord. You know everything. You know that I phileo love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus communicates a very simple yet important reality. What is the central theme of true Christianity? How do you know if you are truly in Christ? Do you love Christ? Do you love him? Do you love him more than anything or anyone else in this world? That is the true mark of the genuine Christian. The motivation for this love is knowing what has been communicated throughout the entire Gospel of John, the fact that Jesus has loved you first. He loved you to the point of death, even death on a cross. Do you love him? That's it for today's devotional. Today's questions are, number one, would you say that you truly love and believe in Jesus. Why or why not? Number two, what was your favorite thing that you learned during our study of the Gospel of John? And number three, for the last time, write down from memory in John 20 verses 30 through 31. Submit your answers to those questions and you will be done, all done, 
with the John Summer Challenge. The winners and the prize will be announced within a week or so. But let me just say, I'm so proud of you. You've worked so hard, you've stayed dedicated to this. And remember the reason for this challenge. It was to get you in the habit of reading God's Word every single day. And I hope that this challenge has shown you how wonderful it is to read God's Word, how so awesome it is to be in His Word every day and to learn more about who Jesus is, how who God is, and what He has done for us. And I hope that it's also shown you how you, it is possible for you to be in the Word every single day. Now, you were motivated by something during this challenge. Maybe it was that prize that you're going to get. And that's fine, but there is a greater prize every time you read God's Word. And what is that? It's knowing God. This is eternal life, knowing God. And you know Him by studying His Word. So would you continue to study His Word? And maybe during this challenge, you had to wake up a little bit earlier. You had to stay up a little bit later. But you got it done. You went into His Word each and every day. And so the same can be true after this challenge. Find the time, no matter how busy you are in life, you can always make time. If you truly love Christ and you truly love His Word, you can always make time to study and read His Word. Would you do that? Okay, that's it for the John Summer Challenge. I pray that you would know and love God for the rest of your lives and that you would run to His Word each and every day. I love you guys. I'll see you soon. Bye.